Hello, 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 hello. Welcome to Going Off Track's live show. You can tell, as always, we're the most professional people ever. We just decided right now where we're going to sit. Um, my name is Stephen Smith. Say your fucking name, dude. <laughs> Brad Wara. Hi, Brad. Hi, jo- Oh, there's Jonah. Hey, Jonah. Yay. Uh, Mike. All right, thank you guys very much for being here. Um, uh, we're beyond stoked to have the wonderful lineup we have tonight. They're all hanging out backstage. Um, one of them was just primping to the, to the lights of several iPhones. Did I cover two of your drinks? Yes, you knocked over. <laughs> I planted two drinks under my chair because I'm a drunk, and uh, Brad knocked him over. And now, and now it's done. It, I claimed it with my iPhone. It's okay. <laughs> And we're here. Thank you all for joining us. Uh, We haven't done a live show in forever. Mike and I haven't been on the podcast in forever. (laughs) It's been a while. Due to lives. I have to begin by giving it up to Jonah and Brad for keeping the show running and awesome. And it's just a sheer delight. I also noticed as soon as I stopped being on it, we immediately got sponsored by Epitaph. So how did that? Yeah, I don't know. They They were waiting for you to stop. They kept, yeah. I was always really delightful to Brett. I don't know how that happened. No, I, I don't know how that happened either. You dissed everybody else in the business. There's been a few. There's, <laughs> been, there's been a few things we have discussed. Maybe they have people working there who like... I don't know. Brett actually gave me a Bad Religion coupe poster, and he shipped it to my house, but with the glass on it. So when it arrived, I was just a big box of broken glass <laughs> and then a really awesome poster. And I was like, well, yeah, he did sign The Offspring, so I guess so. Does that... <laughs> that bad? No. I think there's like an offspring smash joke there. Oh, damn it. Yeah. I blew that one. Fuck. Sorry. Stupid Sorry. puns. Damn it to hell. Um, I have to point out, because he said, don't point it out. If you listen to the podcast, I often mention uh, my best friend, Bert, who got me into every cool band ever. He's actually here tonight, sitting in the front row. Bert! Next to one of my yeah, other good friends, Michael D. Yeah. Uh, um, now, Mike, you just met Bert for the yeah. first time. Yeah. Tonight. I, he's wonderful. I, Bert's, I, I feel like I've been best friends with him. I met him for like 10 seconds and I was like, we're buds. Yeah, but Bert violates like your, your most ardent rule in life. No, it's not my most ardent. All right, so not that I don't like people that don't drink. I'm not that. I'm just saying that <laughs> I, I'm skeptical. I want to know the story. And if, it's, if you've never, I don't trust sometimes. It's my experience, people that just don't drink. So I don't know. It's a thing I, I have. And there's a number of them. But when I met Bert, he's like trumped the rule completely. I just, Bert was like, Steve, Stephen was like, I don't want to tell you this. And I was like, what? He's like, you know, Bert's never actually drank at all. And I was like, I don't give a shit. Bert's awesome. Which isn't what I expected. No. no. I, I didn't expect you to fold that quick. I did. He's lovable. I, I can't. <laughs> he, he got the fact Bert, that yeah. Mike Dubin of the same ilk is sitting right next to him. It actually works out well. I, I saw, also love Mike as well. I, I saw yes. Mike last week. He sat in front of us at a Taylor Swift concert. Literally what? right in front of us. Yeah. Me and Vanessa were there. Oh, and did you? Uh, yeah. And uh, was, was your delightful daughter there as well? Yeah. Of course. Oh, that's typical. Of course. <laughs> it would have been weird if it was just me and Mike there. Right? <laughs> so I was like, oh, hey, dude. I don't think that'd be weird at all. Taylor's yeah. amazing. She's phenomenal. How was the show? It was good. It was did you good. stay till the end? Uh, yeah, I think we, 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 went, we really wanted to see Haim because we shot sure. a lot of stuff with them. But yeah, we stayed till the end. You can admit it. We stayed till the end. You love Taylor. It was. I had never really actually heard a lot of her music. I know it sounds like I'm lying, um, but <laughs> kind, I had. Kind of. But it was entertaining. She brought out a bunch of her friends that were all supermodels. It's very relatable. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're going to take that moment right now to go from uh, Taylor Swift to our very first guest. Uh, Jonah, if you'd like to do the honors. Sure, yes. Our first guest is uh, a yoga teacher and... Uh, 
just an awesome dude, Eddie Stern. Welcome. Eddie. Come, man. Yes. Uh, so Eddie showed up. He looks amazing. If you're listening to this, he's wearing a really cool suit. And I realized on the way here, I'm wearing a shirt that says, fuck off and die with a naked guy in the back. <laughs> so feeling a little insecure. That, my, actually, my entire inner lying of my suit says, fuck off and die. Okay, <laughs> small letters repeated and repeated. That. That's not very Vedic, is it? <laughs> it's super Vedic. It's oh. pre-Vedic, in fact. Oh, very nice. Very nice. Now, we, uh, every time we're doing these podcasts, we start chatting with people. And then we're like, no, please shut up. Because before... We wanted to have this out on the stage. Just standing back there now, we had a conversation that went from Raiders of the Lost Ark to X T-shirts to Moby. We did. And it was great, and you all missed it. So anyway, how long have you been doing yoga? Um, I started doing yoga in um, 1986, 87. So before it was cool. Oh, way before, way before. <laughs> I invented Lululemon. <laughs> um, no, yeah, around 1987, 88. By 1988, I was just pretty much only doing yoga. And what drew you to it? Um, I was living a very unhealthy lifestyle. I was um, smoking about two packs of Camel Unfiltered a day. And I was living on pizza and McDonald's and cappuccino and pitchers of beer and bottles of tequila. And Sounds like the majority of our audience. And right? that was, Sounds like me, kind of. Uh, yeah. You know, I like to make it relatable to the people. <laughs> And uh, that's, all, that's all I subsisted on. A vegetable might have been a tomato inside a Big Mac or tomato paste on a pizza. And uh, that was it. And I wasn't feeling super good. And I was working with a guy at Bleaker Bob's Records um, on West 3rd Street who was um, also feeling ecstasy. And he said, hey, you should, um, you, know, you should try being a vegetarian. And I said, why? And he said, well, blah, 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 blah. And I thought, okay, that sounds great. And I'm going to try it. And so the next day I became a vegetarian and the only thing I could think of to eat were rice cakes and iceberg lettuce. And that's all I ate <laughs> is the beginning of my vegetarian diet until I like learned other things to cook. So I bought a book by Michio Kushi. It was called The Macrobiotic Way. And in it, there were these six exercises you could do um, if you wanted to be healthy and just have this macrobiotic thing work for you. And I started doing them, and they ended up being yoga poses. And that's how I started doing yoga, through a macrobiotic diet. And how did you meet uh, K. Patabi Joyce? You were in India? Yeah, K. Patabi Joyce, for everyone here who doesn't know him, is my teacher who um, was from South India. He passed away in 2009. Uh, I met him when I was traveling in India, and I was my second trip in India. Do I look at you or them? Um, you can look wherever you want. Oh, okay. It's audio. Um, no one really gets it. I know. That's why I was confused. I didn't know what I should be doing. I don't know where to look either. Exactly. Fine. Where's the tape? So <laughs> I... Um... <laughs> what's, what's tape? <laughs> it's stuff you're going to put over my mouth later. So I was... <laughs> Is that vegetarian? <laughs> <laughs> Only the nonce. It's made out of gelatin. Anyway, so I was traveling <laughs> in India. It's my second trip. And uh, I, had, I was in a city called Mysore, which is in the south, for some lectures on philosophy. And the last day of the lectures, I was early, and I went into a bookstore. It was a communist bookstore. And the guy who owned it was about 70 or 80 years old. And he said, why are you in India? And I said, I came here to try to learn some yoga. And he said, there's a great yoga master here. You should go meet him. His name is Patabi Joyce. I had never heard of him. He gave me his address. He said he lives across the street from the Lakshmipuram police station. And uh, the next day, I went and met him. And I knocked on the door, and um, this guy opened the door who had a huge belly, and he was wearing a dish towel around his waist. 
And he said, yes, what do you want? And I said, I'm looking for Patabi Joyce. And he said, that's me. And I was like, no way, you can't possibly be a yogi. <laughs> Guy was, had a huge belly, he must have weighed 200 pounds. And it turned out it actually was him. I, and he, I, I said, can I take some classes with you? And he said, um, you have to stay for one month minimum. And I said, well, I'm leaving tomorrow, uh, so I can't come. And he said, you can come next year. And he gave me his card. And so the next year I came back. It was the first time an Indian person had ever given me their card, by the way, it's 1990. <laughs> Did you ever ask him like what his diet consisted of? Yeah. Like, were you like, you know, you look like the pizza McDonald's kind of guy I used to be. I mean, you still, can you still be a yogi with that whole diet? One time there was a festival called Shivaratri, which is an all-night worship of Lord Shiva, who's a um, representation of pure consciousness. And during that evening, usually you fast on like, you know, you don't eat anything, you don't drink anything. And so the first year I was studying with him, I said, so it's Shivaratri, are you going to be fasting tonight? And he said, yes, I'll be fasting all day, all night. And I said, well, no food? And he said, yes, no food, only milk, banana, sugar, honey, coconut. <laughs> I said, what kind of a fast is that? <laughs> so, exactly. It's an equinox fast, basically. That's amazing. And, um, um, yep. Not to change gears, but we change were... Change them. Okay. We're changing. Uh, me and Mike were yeah, talking to you. I know where you're going you with this. talk about this? So uh, I just came back from Cleveland. I was working at this award show for Alternative Press, and Rob Zombie was there. He got a Lifetime Achievement Award, and I was telling Mike... What? Was, yeah. He performed Thunder Kiss 65 with Motionless and White, and... Uh, Why is that... You're saying it like it's cool. I'm just... I'm just... I'm trying to, like... We're trying to segue I'm trying into to put a context in. You don't need to judge it. You needed no exposition at all. Anyways, we're talking about White Zombie, and Eddie's just kind of is like, oh, yeah, I was in White Zombie for a month. Yeah, I was... Um, yeah. Well, and I, well, Jonah and I also grew up like listening to White Zombie too. So we were like, wait, 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 wait. What? All of a sudden, what? they were like, oh man, it's a good thing we invited him. I didn't know what we were going to talk about. Well, I'm like, I know we're going to start with yoga, but yeah. one of us is slowly just going to be like, okay, White Zombie. Uh, how? Right. And I don't know. 1986. Uh, I was working at Bleaker Bob's. Um, Sean from White Zombies used to come to Bleaker Bob's all the time, and she and a guy named Craig who worked there also. From God is my co-pilot. We're good friends. We all were hanging out. Right. Craig, is he here? All right. <laughs> What's up, Craig? <laughs> so, um, and I played in God is my co-pilot also. Um, mainly, I played Jews harp and tabla in God is my co-pilot. So, um, it's quite a di- difference from the white zombie style, you know. Yeah, it was. Well, I, couldn't, I couldn't do the white zombie thing. I was getting into yoga. My life was changing, and I couldn't play that kind of music anymore. So... What was what were your experiences like with Rob Zombie? Uh, barely any at all. I really? think I I think I might have even quit the band before two rehearsals were over. <laughs> but I could have had the job, really. But I didn't want it. All right, next. There's your white zombie story. That's it. We kind of reconnected because I read an article about you in the New Yorker in Talk of the Town, uh-huh. um, where someone went to Broom Street Shala and was sort of. Waiting for Madonna to show up. They were waiting for Madonna. <laughs> and she didn't Not like show waiting up. for Godot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but you, it also talked about how your studio's closing and you're opening a new one. Yes. Can you talk about that at all? I can. Um, we have been on Broom Street in Soho with my yoga school and a Hindu temple that I run for the past 15 years, and the building got sold. What temple, sorry? It's called the Broom Street Ganesha Temple. It's a okay, Hindu temple. From white zombie to Ganesha, and hey man, mm. how it goes? That's so, all about. We well, have those Ramon shirts, so it's kind we of. We had these Ramon shirts exactly, 
And it said the Broom Street Temple on them. Anyway, so the building got sold. We have to move out on September 30th. And um, we decided, uh, my landlord from that building who sold it bought a new building in Brooklyn, in Clinton Hill, and said, I think it would be a great yoga school. So we came and we looked at it. We saw the ground floor and we thought, yeah, why not? Let's try it. And then um, we came back a couple weeks later and we looked at the floor above it, which has a thousand square foot outdoor deck. And we thought, hmm, maybe we'll take this too and like do something, you know, a little bigger. And then we took a look at the top floor and we thought, wow, maybe we should live here. So then we took the top floor and then there was only one floor left in the middle. And we thought, well, no one's going to want to live between us and a yoga school. So we might as well take that as well. So now we live in Clinton Hill, Brooklyn. And um, which is, there was a time when I had been in India more times than I had been in Brooklyn. I grew, I grew up in Manhattan. And I was like, Brooklyn, are you fucking kidding me? No way. Yes. Thank you. And so now I live here. Same here. And, and what we're doing is um, we decided, well, you know, when you go to a yoga school, usually it's all about yoga or all about meditation and maybe a little bit about diet. And people feel a big split between their spiritual practice and how to integrate it into the rest of their regular life. So we thought, let's build something where everything is integrated. So we have the foundation where the ground floor is yoga and meditation and a steam room. And then the floor above that is a collaborative workspace and a library and a cafe. And the floor above that is a kitchen for cooking classes, more collaborative working spaces and the offices that I use for the educational work we do and the outreach work we do. So basically we're trying to make, you know, the traditional office, as everyone knows, has been pretty much obliterated. People work in cafes or in Starbucks or wherever. And so now we're saying, well, instead of doing that or just freelancing out of your home, come do your practice, work in this space. We have quiet hours. It will be, it's called the Brooklyn Yoga Club, by the way. So we'll have quiet hours in the club where people can work quietly and focus on what they're doing. And then hours when people can, you know, collaborate and do work together. Wow. Right on. I feel like you guys should have a fireman pole. I'm just saying, not that I was thinking about that the whole time, but when you were describing the layout, you were. I was like, this would be really, and I was imagining like, well, I gotta go to the office, hell yeah. You just go do a little like, I don't know, like Batman sort of change outfits. Or if they have a spiral could, staircase, put a slide next to it. Then fine, we'll have a fireman pole. I think the fireman pole is pretty easy. You, know, if you should say firefighter the... pole and not be so sexist about it. Firefighter pole. Good. Sorry. We could get pole dancers if you want. Yeah. Well, now you're getting not what I expected from you. Without, (laughs) I was gonna say this office bring singles, yoga and pole dancing. I mean, together very. They do go together. It's a lot of stretching. It's a hard workout. (laughs) Try it. I've tried it. (laughs) It's hard, man. It's hard to hold the thing. I'm telling you, it's very slippery. (laughs) I don't know what that's from, though. Um, I have a question about yoga because I was I was reading recently, like you do on the internet. So what I'm about to say must be true. It's absolutely true. Um, Like how old is yoga as a practice because i know that the word goes back for a long time but as a form of lifestyle some say exercise that thing is not doesn't seem to be super old like is it back to like the last century or that's what i read yeah confirm or deny i'm gonna deny i'm gonna (laughs) deny and i have a lot to comment i was gonna say yes you you would care to hear uh there's a recent spate of um I kind of call it, I don't know what I call it, but there's a bunch of academics out there these days who are trying to show that yoga as we know it today is really a mix of um, Swedish gymnastics and British military exercises and that those were brought to India in the 1800s and 1900s when Indian nationalism, Indian nationalism was on the rise and incorporated into traditional practices whereby everything changed. And so that um, really the ancient yoga practices resembled nothing like they resemble today. Um, There is 
a lot of falsity in those claims, but there is some truth that yoga as we see it in America now definitely resembles nothing like it resembled in India even 50 or years ago, even now. I mean, no one in India has ever done dog yoga or bro yoga or hot naked yoga or anything like that. Um, they have never... Not for lack of trying. Well, I mean, you know, it's, just, it's already hot there, so how are you going to yeah. monetize that? You can't. It's already, no one's going to pay extra for the heat. <laughs> and so then as well, there are the... Um, uh, what was I just going to say? Oh, yes. Um, music, nice, mu- music and yoga classes. And yeah. I know I got lost at hot naked. <laughs> and um, music Elaborate. and yoga classes and, all, and, and yoga fashion. And all yeah. these things are completely American inventions. But yoga for physical postures and meditation and breathing and all that have been around for a very, very long time. And there are texts which you can see in India which date back to the 1300s, which list over 100 different yoga positions, many of which we're still doing today. So there is a continuous thread, and a lot of that stuff which you're reading has since been disproven. Yeah, so those people are just dicks who brought that up. Pretty much, but I have, since I <laughs> teach yoga, I have to say, you know, they're well-intentioned dicks. Okay. <laughs> the best kind, the best nice. kind, right? <laughs> I feel like it's, yeah, you, even, like, disagreeing with someone, I feel like you make it so, like, I don't know. I feel like whenever I sound like I'm always talking shit, I feel like you can do it, and it still sounds so... Say thank you, Jonah, for just giving me permission to talk shit. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) This is a perfect setting for you to talk shit. You know, but if you say it in a soft, melodious voice, you can diss anybody in the world you want for being a fucking asshole. You want to just like punch Beakerm in the face? You You know, when my teacher passed away, um, Beakerm sent me an extremely nice condolence letter. It was so sweet. I kept it, in fact. It doesn't mean that he's, like, a good guy for abusing <laughs> his teachers and, like, you know, sleeping with his students and all that other stuff, which is really, really bad. But I have to say, he, he did send a really nice condolence letter, and I thought that was sweet. That's fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Appetite for Destruction, great record, Axl Rose, douchebag. Yeah, that's well, true. That's how I'm reading into this. Axel's <laughs> here tonight. Yeah. He's sitting in my back. Though. He's yeah, right at the bar. Chinese yeah. democracy was garbage. Yeah. Not good. Everybody uh, knew it. He's well, nodding it. Back that was that an apology, Axel? We, we, for, we forgive you. It's uh, okay. When you say that you played in White Zombie, what do you play? Do you still play? Like, did I you do played, bands before yoga? Yes, I was in a band called Chop Shop. I don't know if anyone here remember Chop Shop. Chop shop, anyone? Chop shop, anyone? 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 Bueller? Anyone? No? <laughs> no one even knows that reference, dude. I... <laughs> chop shop, I can't remember. I think that we started a genre of music in, in the Lower East Side called scum rock, but I can't remember exactly <laughs> if it was us or not. I and actually a, remember how scum. Do you, yeah, do you remember Matt, scum? Rock? Like you would know about Matt, this. Now he remembers. You know, there's a lot I don't remember yeah, from yeah. these time periods that he's discussing. Yeah. Well, Chop Shop. <laughs> I might have been in the band. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> we yeah, Chop Shop was a good band. We had fun, and we started Scum Rock. Um, we broke up in I can't remember '84, '85, or something like that. What does that mean, um, Scum Rock? Scum Rock was because uh, we're all scumbags, apparently. And uh, our that last... lasted through the '90s, by the way. Did it? <laughs> Yeah. Our claim to fame really was we opened for the Butthole Surfers at CBGB's, and that was pretty much our last. No big deal, right? No, that's not cool yeah, or anything, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, and that was pretty much the height the height of our arc. And then a show at the Nine Thirty Club, and then we we oh. for I think we were we also opened. Anyone remember Red Lorry Yellow Lorry? 
Red lorry, yellow lorry, anybody? Name, name only. Yeah, I got two, <laughs> I got two, three hands, good. So we opened for them also, a club called Subway in Queens. Um, so that was fun. Anyway, after that um, was, um, that was pretty much it for me. I played with, um, uh, I did a little bit of music with Moby, not much. And um, I was in a band called the um, Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse, and which did nothing at all. And... <laughs> One week or less than a month with White Zombie, got us my co-pilot, and then off to India. It's funny that the band Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse did nothing at all. <laughs> I feel like that would be yeah. the band. That yeah, I know. It. Totally. What do you want our name to be? Yeah. I don't know. Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. Yeah. We're going to do some shit. Exactly. Yeah. The longest, We're gonna do the longest They're waiting for the reunion. Yeah. That is yeah. going to be I would it. think that would be the band. Like, if I joined that band, I'd be like, man, I don't know what you expect of me, but I'm going to bring it fucking 100,000%. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, the best recording I have of, that me and Moby did together was 20 minutes of chanting Om Shanti in ringing Tibetan bells. You should release that. I should totally release it. <laughs> on, on I might be into that, yeah. <laughs> well, actually, back to meditation, I was going to say, we were talking before, which we shouldn't do, but if we didn't, we wouldn't have learned about White Zombie or this, but the, Stephen actually got me into meditation, which is funny because... He doesn't do it. Yeah, Stephen does not. Uh, he just introduced me to somebody that got me into it. You, were you should me- medicate, meditate, dude, before I fucking kill you. <laughs> Um, but you mentioned something funny. Speaking of like the tone, <laughs> speaking of like the tone of voice, you say things. And what was it you were saying? You were describing somebody that you had seen. I don't know where, where it was online that said was telling you how to uh, rid yourself of the. Oh know, yeah, it in was a very the, calm uh, way. You know? It was the fuck that meditation on YouTube. Oh, uh, fuck that, that meditation. A friend of mine who's a yoga teacher just told me the guy is basically there's a, a, a picture of the waves slapping up gently on the on a beach, and he's going. And when the thoughts come into your mind that are disturbing, just say, fuck that. (laughs) You bitches got nothing on me. Which is what I now I'm doing. We could do. I could. I Probably could. the best mantra ever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I thought this is so like Tom Cruise derivative. Now, how the hell are you going to unpack that? Risky business. <laughs> oh, yeah. I am too old for this show. <laughs> yeah, but you don't look, like, you look like 10. Like, what's I'm, I have a mentality of a 10-year-old. My, in fact, my daughter says she demotes me every once in a while, and now I'm hovering around 9. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Nine's brutal. <laughs> totally. From what I've heard. Um, dude, thank you so much for joining us, man. It's a pleasure thank you for having, having you. Me. Um, oh my God. Hey, he's got a yoga place near here. Go yes. to Hill. Bro- Brooklyn Yoga Club. Brooklyn Yoga Club. Yes, check it out. And also, Super if you don't have yes. an office, fucking go work there. Totally. Talk to him. He's and they're going to possibly get a fire firefighter pole yeah. slash right. stripper pole. Stress. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's Brooklyn. It could go either way. Totally. We have the ceiling height. Thank you guys very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Only you would find out from the yoga guy that he was in White Zombie. Well, we, it, was a, it was a team effort. I mean, yeah. it was both of our energies together that brought that, that magic. Man, yeah. uh, bring him out, Jonah. I'm uh, so psyched. Next guest, uh, you may know him as Christopher Norris. You may know him as Steak Mountain. You may know him as just the world's most notorious shit talker. <laughs> <laughs> Get out here. Get out here. Come on out. Take yeah. a seat. If you're in a band...
If you're in a band, I probably don't like your band. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if the band has hired you to work for them. Oh, fuck no, dude. If you pay me, respect the Especially boss. United Nations. <laughs> You've done... No, I like United Nations. Yeah. Chris did, 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 did some awesome art for us. Oh, that's yeah, good. I like that's it. Positive. And he did an amazing flyer for this show tonight. Yeah, yeah, that's why you're all here. I know, yeah. you saw it. We saw the flyer, and half the people who we showed it to on Facebook said, what's a flyer? What's it? <laughs> it was fascinating. It was very interesting. They're like, it, it looks like it's Xerox or something. It's all fake. I'm sorry, everybody. Within five minutes of talking to you when you came by the podcast for the first time. Also, uh, Chris is one of our guest hosts on the podcast. Guest right? hosts, yes. I also, also I do, you do I some do graphic design as well, I think, or I something. T- something. You only yeah. brought me on because you know I'm going to talk shit about somebody. Yes. Yeah, most likely. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> I mean, why not? You, got, like, you, just, you just had like, the light out here with Eddie. You bring you gotta, in the dark. Got to balance it out. Yeah, no, yeah. I understand. Yeah, I'm just, a- I actually just thought this thing was going to be like eight of us on stage or something. I, I, thought, I, I thought we were going to be like the Justice League. I didn't realize. You wanted that, didn't I was going to be solo and looking at all you fuckers. You know? Yeah, well, as you can tell by this, the dais here, we celebrate diversity on Running Off Track. Yeah. <laughs> so, so who do you hate right now? <laughs> I think you were going to say something else. I thought you were going to talk about how awesome I am and how good my we art is. We know how awesome you are. We've seen all your art. Okay. Uh, Mike, Mike has your artwork framed in his home, yeah, even though it was yeah. you. What? Yeah. Oh, the Tom, big, yeah. Tom Gable thing? Yeah, the Tom Gable record. Oh, the Frankenstein the the monster. Heartburns. Yeah. Heartburns. Yeah. Heartburns. All right, record, with the yeah. woman and the Beautiful. anthropophagus head thing. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I don't need yeah. these. I don't need to see any of you. Yeah, no. That's <laughs> framed in, in my house. Yeah. Yeah. Like the print? Yeah. So they, when they did this record, they came with a bunch of prints, and, and I think that was one of them. And there yeah. was like a Frankenstein print, which yes. I advised Tom, then now Laura, against, but that's all right. Oh, Whatever. that's hanging up. My favorite thing. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. No, that's not, Well, we it. just thought, I just thought at the time, because at that time, Tom was like, Laura, Tom, you guys. Laura, just use Laura. Just use it. Laura. Yeah. Laura at the time was like, I want to <laughs> use the Frankenstein imagery, like the Carla Frankenstein imagery. And I was like, you're, A, you're fucking ridiculous because that. <laughs> is licensed material, Sarah Karloff will come and, and, yeah. and kill you. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you know he, Sarah? Huh? No, but I know she's pretty... Uh, she's pretty hardcore. She, would, she's, uh, yeah. she, she loves the dad. Yeah. You know okay. what I mean? So, so yeah, it ended up being like we had to use it for that. But originally that was the cover until I was like, Universal's going to sue you and... On the vinyl, you did The Bride as well. Yeah. Well, that was released by somebody small enough for no yeah. one to care, yeah. which was Jordan. Yeah, which I do have, like, you know, the Carloff and yeah. The Bride. And yeah, yeah. So the bride, it's a thing. Yeah. The Bride <laughs> came out on a smaller label, so no one really cared. Uh, you know what I mean? It was just like, ah, oh, fuck, who cares? Beautiful. So. But I love seeing Laura because she always invites you to shows, and I'll be like, oh, is Chris coming? She's like, I invited him. He said, no. No, no, I'd never <laughs> like, go to a fucking show. I no. Mean, just, Except this, because yeah, I can't it's about believe you're me, actually course, even so. here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> you showed up more than once. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 It's divine. Tell yeah. us about that porn you directed. Oh man. <laughs> to a room of people. Yeah. All right. So I used to work at. Kink. We all want to fucking know. Okay. Right. Never gonna I, go well, watch one. What was the best part about that podcast is that you didn't know, and no. I didn't bring it up, which is usually actually something I bring up a lot because I love to talk about it. I was really you bummed know? that I found out. <laughs> Post pod. Yeah, I heard. I heard. I which heard. was the title of the porn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, My little sister's uh, here, so let's keep it. You know, let's keep it fucking PG. Yeah. Even though she's tied with Schumer, it's pretty is, That is true. That so. is true. Good point. Good point. You know. I think nothing will shock her. <laughs> yeah, at, this point. at this point, for sure. Um, so well, I don't know. What do you want to know? I mean, do you start movies? off like? I mean, do you PA first and work your way up? Like, well, I worked for King. Do you have to like be dildo carrier? <clears throat> like, no, no, every no. joke ever. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Is normally. Lube guy here. Uh, normally, 
And then the lighting designer. Did you do that? No. Here's, okay. what, here's what happened. I worked at kink.com in San Francisco from 2009 to 2012. I was their set decorator, which... Yeah, that's not even the fucking funny part. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you were dildo guy. Was yeah. anyone ever like, are you the drummer in Combat Wounded Veteran or no? No, because no, I was never the drummer in Combat okay. Wounded Veteran. Oh my God, you're right. Good point. Four people are giggling. Fact check. <laughs> Take that out, Brad. <laughs> so, I got hair in my eye. I don't have hair on my head, but I have hair in my eye. Um, so, uh, I was their set decorator, which doesn't sound... What? <laughs> it's true. I have, I have stray hair in my eye. I don't Sounds know. like a great job set degrading a porn. Yeah, it was awesome. It was actually truly. It was like, it was like the the best job I've ever had for not the reasons you think it's the would be like the best job anyone would ever have, which is like, oh, cool, you get to watch fucking all day. Great, and, it's awesome. and smell sadness. <laughs> oh, good lord. <laughs> Steve not often, though. Know. That, you wouldn't think, you'd think, but I think that that's more in the Valley. That's more of an L.A. Oh, that's sadness true, yeah. thing. Little chats People come into kink for a specific reason. Okay. And that reason is, is they like to get their ass handed to them in some capacity or like to hand people their asses. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So you, it's more of a, the, the building works and the way the business works and the people that are in the building, it's a lot different than the porn stereotype of like, whatever. Just mm-hmm. the, the dumb idiot who's lost her way or lost his way and they find themselves being like, you know, it's either the Port Authority men's room or, you know, a fucking basement in New Jersey. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> The dad or uncle conundrum. Right, exactly. The thing that always gets brought up. And, and when you actually work in the business, it's just a really bad stereotype. But that being said, I was their set decorator. And I know that sounds like, oh, really, I should just be putting down a dirty mattress and some fucking sheets on the... But it's not like that at all. Kink is like a... It's a full production house. It's in the armory in San Francisco. And it is five floors, and the basement is all sets. And now, originally, it was like, it's not the armory because it's like, you know, called the armory because they think that's cool. It was the actual, it was an armory, like the National Guard was there forever. And in like 2005, Peter Ackworth, who runs kink.com, bought the, bought the building outright, how the legend goes, in cash, in a briefcase, like a fucking drug dealer. And, um, and he... Yeah, well, no, actually, what it, was, it was in private hands. It, the, way, the way the legend around the building goes is that the Russian mob owned it because it had been empty for like 10 years, just empty. You know, no one did anything with it. So Peter had been doing it in a loft uh, somewhere in North Beach and then moved it to an office building in downtown and then was looking for a bigger space to expand. Peter had a dream. Peter, <laughs> it's insane. He definitely had a dream. He was like an investment banker here in Wall Street and he just, he loved you know, getting beat up. And he was super into S&M. And he just, he had seen an article about a, a, a fireman who had started a porn company out of his, like, basement in New Jersey. There we go. And, um, and he'd become, like, a millionaire. And Peter was like, oh, I could do that. I'm business-minded, and I love the dirty stuff, and I love to get beat up and whatever. Getting beat, that's like, actually, no, I'm not even going to get into that. Anyway, so. You, you need to get into it. Well, the thing is, is that it's not about getting beat up. No, I'm just no. using that as shorthand to yes, make you all fucking laugh. So. Um, What's the longhand version? Well, the longhand version is I'm not a part of that society or have any interest in it, so right. I couldn't give you the long, But uh, I, I know you. there's a longhand version. Well, let me call Mike real quick. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, get that Mike in here. He loves to talk to me about Oh, yeah. In that place, yeah. I interviewed so, him yesterday. Did you? And really? at the end of the interview, he was like, "I'm in a cage right now." Of course he is. Yeah. <laughs> Why the fuck wouldn't he be? Yeah. 
He's probably in a cage covered with so much shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> Tell him who you're you know. talking about. Not everybody. Fat knows. Mike from No Effects no is a facts. huge SM buff. Like, huge. He's like, uh, he's, he's in love with the Dominatrix. He's basically a slave. They have a love slave. Check out Going Off Track episode. Blast. Some number Fat where Mike. we had Fat Mike and some odds. <laughs> <Fat> it's, <Mike. laughs> it's insane. Yeah. Anyways, <clears throat> so, so Porno, um, the uh, Armory is, is this amazing building. It's a full service studio. It's incredible. It's actually like nothing like you've seen. It's like, it's like the old days of Hollywood. It's like RKO or Paramount. It's like a full service studio. They do everything there. Bottom floor is uh, sets of all kinds, you know, uh, a videodrome room, a dungeon, a dungeon, a dungeon, a medical <laughs> set, an abattoir. A dungeon. You know what I mean? It's like, you get the theme because it's S and M, you know what I mean? So um, so it's this it's it's super amazing, like crazy. Then the first floor is administrative, and then the second floor is where you guys laugh, this stuff is really important. You know yeah, what I mean? That's so pretty, yeah. that sounds like a fire pole, um, yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah we need yeah, we yeah. definitely need we dungeon, needed a dungeon. fucking elevator, but um, legal dungeon. No, that's really the deal though. Second floor was um was a, a full service wardrobe and they had all their cam, cam like girls and stuff like that. And uh, a dormitory for people who came from LA because if you got a a girl or a boy to come up from LA, you you know you would just you they called it shooting them out, which is basically, um, you know you paid their fucking five hundred dollar fucking plane bill, they, you know plane ticket or whatever. Um, they're, they're, they're you're gonna get them for the week. You know they're gonna do a bunch of shit. Sleep on the set. That's no, no, not so. Sleep. No, they've got they've got dorms. You know what I mean? They've well, got the same building. Yeah, it's the same building. So they would do their thing, go upstairs stay, and take a shower. It's a free place to stay. Yeah, and right. they come in, they wake up, shoot, start at noon. It's very it would organized. Seem like the term "shooting them out" would get confusing. <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah. So what, which one? Wait, what are we doing? That was like the most. She's totally shot out. We can't <laughs> use her anymore. No, that's real. <laughs> That's real terminology, or he, because obviously it's like it's both het and and uh, and and homosexual pornography. There, they shot both kinds, but it was all S and M. So, or fetish, whatever, depending. But regardless, and then the fourth floor is empty, and then the fifth floor is a. Peter had a dream, a second dream, to have a full Edwardian mansion built on the fifth floor of the armory. Greatest night of my fucking life. It's amazing. The place is amazing. If you look at kink.com, which, you know, if you have, uh, I don't know, I don't recommend it if you've never seen S&M stuff before, but if you are interested, kink.com, theupperfloor.com, they have live cameras so you can see everything that's going on all the time. They have, like, just, like, CCTVs showing you, like, people cleaning the sets and all these things, but... The coolest thing about this thing is he had this crazy dream and he, he, he made all these insane things and in the, there's like a sitting room with a fucking fireplace and all this like beautiful uh, like, you know, fucking wallpaper and, um, and they had a, uh, 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 they had this amazing dining room table. that changed a lot, right? the wallpaper. <laughs> well, it's, it, they had this amazing dining room table built that fit like 80 people, like one of those things that you see like in... Uh, I don't remember, and we'll bring this up because we have to, because I did last time, like in a Jerry Lewis movie, you know, where, um, you know, he's going from one end to other end, and it's like, it was built actually by um, uh, uh, Mike Brady from the Brady Bunch. Oh, because he was an architect. He's an, yeah, and he does, you know, <laughs> no, no, not Mike Brady. Wait, Peter Brady? Yeah, that's a good one. Well played. Maybe I got that wrong. That's my right, fault. Mike Brady was an architect. That's my fault. Why didn't you drop the Side mic after that? <laughs> yeah, that was it. Nobody else needs to come on. So wait. So who were the kids? At least Peter I don't Brady. Have to talk anymore. It was Peter Brady and Bobby Brady. It was Bobby Brady. 
mm-hmm. actually the youngest or whatever, he um, had a, a, uh, this run of, of uh, bad luck being a, a, a teenage actor, and he was a drug addict for years, and then he cleaned up, and his, him and his brother have a company where they make high-end furniture. And so Bobby Brady made this. There's your anecdote about kink. Is Bobby Brady made this 80-seating, giant monster fucking dining room table that's no one uses, that people just fuck on. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> It's fucking stupid as All fuck, I can say actually. is the keywords are going to be so good for this podcast when we release it. <laughs> yeah. Some great tags, man. Brady Bunch, porn, so, bondage. So how I... Um, <laughs> oh, and his brother was in... Um, it was in... Uh, 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 what's the great... Big Wednesday? Is that the big... The great surfing movie with Jan Michael Vincent? I'm boring all of you. Anyways, fuck it. So anyways, how I got into it was like, that. Why would you bring up Jan Michael Vincent ever in your life? Like, Jan Michael Vincent? No, because, because of Big Wednesday. Because okay. he's fucking great in it. If that's what it's called, I don't remember. So anyways, regardless. So they needed a director and you were standing no, no, there at the No, 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 no. They weren't. They weren't looking for directors at all because they have tons of directors. They run 15 sites. They have six on-staff directors who run sites. They have guest directors. They don't want anybody who's usually not interested in S&M, which I am not. So, but the genre as a tool to create kind of weird film and things like that. S&M is pretty an, an amazing thing unto itself. So I was interested in it because I had always kind of been interested in the idea of directing pornography because I thought it was an interesting genre to be able to experiment in. So, you know what I mean? It's like, to me, in, in, in all of film, there's tons of different kinds of cool... Oh, hi, how's it going? Mm-hmm. Um, mm. There's tons of cool things you can do with movies, and I love all kinds of movies, as these guys know, when I talked too much about it on my last podcast and didn't talk about art, which I'm doing now is talking about pornography rather than art. We've seen is, your um, art. It's awesome. Keep going. Hey, great. Yeah. Keep going Trust me. None of you, that's true. It is called that. No one gives a fuck about my art. So um, this is far more interesting, which is why it's my party story all the time. So um, is that I had an interest in directing pornography because I have an interest in uh, experimental film. And so to me, it's like, it's kind of like this, uh, it's, it's kind of like, it's like a money proof in the sense that like you can do whatever the fuck you want inside of a porno, anything experiment. You can do your fucking Stan Brackage impersonation. You can do anything you fucking want. As long as you hang it on three fucks, who cares? Because somebody's going to jerk off to it and buy it. So you really could do anything you wanted, which I love about the genre. Because if you look at early golden age pornography, this is actually really embarrassing to talk to a room of people about. Um, <laughs> Dude, you just said that I'm doing it on three fucks. Like, right? we're done. That's amazing. <laughs> I should have dropped the mic, right? Yeah, so, dude. That's like your Hallmark card. That's it. I'm just going to run. Love Chris. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run silence the rest of the time. <laughs> so, um, so what happened was is that um, because of my interest in it, and also I have just an interest in transgressive and, and film in general from all the way back, you know, to like Euro trash stuff and, and, and um, you know, everything. Golden age of pornography, everything. I, I have interest in all of it. So to me, to be a part of something, part of like the history of pornography in some way was like exciting to me, even in a creative level. So to get that job at Kink, which was amazing to get on a creative level where I wasn't just washing dildos or fuck machines or fuck boxes or fuck floors or fuck tables, whatever. You know what I mean? So Keep going, dude. it was amazing to like kind of be in a creative <laughs> position where I could kind of get in there and be like, um, oh, hey, uh, so you're doing this mermaid shoot. Have you ever seen this old movie? Have you ever seen, you know, these kind of movies? So, the Incredible uh, you know, Mr. Olympic, right? That's the one. Don't think I didn't reference Don fucking, you know, I'm Don Knotts. You, you know what I mean? So, Don Knotts, um, porno. God, I wish. Keyword. Amazing. <laughs> um, put, put autofocus out of business. So, um, <laughs> so, 
for all you, bo- you Bob Crane fans, all you Hogan's Heroes fans out there. Um, so... <laughs> That was no Nobody surprise. knows what you're saying. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. Excuse me. Sorry, I'm, over, I'm up here burping and shit. Um, so listen, anyways. I know nothing. <laughs> so, Schultz. So listen, <laughs> we're all old. Um, <laughs> except Jonah. I'm, I'm kind of old. You're kind of old, but would you see that on like Nick at Night? No, I have no idea what you guys are talking about. Oh to my God. I'm young enough to have no clue what you're talking about. I'm so happy about that. No, Jonah just sets the bar of cool for the entire show. Yeah, That's what you, just no. you just took it. So, anyways, I don't even know where I was, but I do know this, is that I was interested in getting into pornography on a creative level. And I knew that I had um, this vast knowledge of uh, film knowledge that I could get in there and I could kind of make it work, maybe. You had so, a dream. I did have a dream. I really did. It's ridiculous that it even came true as far as it did. So anyways, after a couple of years of kind of putting myself, uh, you know, in a creative position with other directors and showing them films and being like, oh, it's weird. Have you ever heard of the Avon films, which was a big S&M thing here in the 70s was a Avon Pictures. There was a theater in Times Square. They specialized. They were basically the kink of the 70s. So I was like showing people like Avon films, and it's surprising actually that the people in pornography have no idea about the history of pornography. It blew my mind. So I was schooling everybody, and then it kind of came to a point where I started to admit, you know, to people, you know, that I wanted to maybe get into directing there, because a for a kid with no fucking barely a high school education or anything like that, and no real career, because let's face it, working for punk bands pays you fucking nothing. I thought, wow, you know, other than it being creatively fulfilling, those fucking idiots make a ton of money at that fucking place. I'm not saying that everybody there who runs a site makes a half a million dollars a year, but I'm definitely saying that everyone there makes a half a million dollars a year. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, for sure. I have this great story that it goes, it's too long and it doesn't even matter, but it basically... Uh, this woman wasn't paid for, that was a director there, wasn't paid for, she didn't even know she wasn't getting paid for these sites that she was directing because she directed three sites. That she told me that once she actually caught up to it and got them to pay her, she said she could buy a house in San Francisco with the check that she got. Now, I don't know if any of you know about San Francisco, but that is a lot of fucking money. Millions of fucking dollars. I like I need my degree devalued more by doing a podcast. You've just destroyed <laughs> it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So... Wow. I kind of um, I kind of partnered up with a director who I was friends with, and she really pushed for me to kind of get in there. And she found out that they were looking for sites. They were actually looking for sites that were in the kink mold, but attracting vanilla customers, right? So they wanted it to look like a Is that kink code thing. for something. Or that no, but basically, people? like if you wanted to get like. Um, I don't know, the fucking roster in L.A. changes all the time because everybody just kind of comes and goes and it's such a transient business. But if you wanted to get a girl that was very popular in L.A. who had never done rough stuff before, who had basically a blonde beach girl in a beach house fucking a blonde beach dude, right? Um, That if we could get her up there and shoot a thing that looked like kink but wasn't, she wasn't getting tied up and things like that, but maybe it was a little crazy and a little rough or whatever, that maybe we could get her customers. So then I pitched a couple sites and I was able to direct... And it was actually, for me, out of years of doing shitty punk records and shitty punk records and shitty punk records, because that seems like all I fucking do, um, this was like one of the most creative, fulfilling, and exciting things, because I felt like I was actually making a movie, even though I, I know I wasn't making a real fucking movie. But I was, it was exciting to be a part of it. Like, it really was like a thing where I was like, wow, this is, so this is what it's like when you like what you do? That's so weird. Um, so it was super exciting and crazy, and um, it didn't end up happening for me. What was the name of the movie? Oh, 
<laughs> All right. So well, what it wasn't even about movies. It was pitching sites, potential oh, okay, sites. Okay, got it. So, <laughs> Come on. so one site was a Peeping Tom site, and it was pretty – you know, they didn't have a fet- the fetish of peeping Tom in the building, and it's pretty easy. You can just get anybody from L.A. that's, you know, whatever, and, uh, and get her up God, there. I hope and- you're writing this shit down. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that one was called, like, I just, use, like, I can see you.com or something like that. It was, like, really just, like, I wanted it to be creepy. That's but deep. Yeah, yeah well, you know, I, <laughs> it is still pornography. I'm not that much of a fucking clueless idealist <laughs> about it. I know, I know what I'm making. But I also know that what I, what I could put into it. You know what I mean? So I know that no one cares about artistic porn. Everybody just wants to flap their shit. So I get it. You know what I mean? But if I knew I was doing it, at least I knew I was doing it. I know everybody wouldn't would fucking, you know, it would just be ignored because whatever. But if I knew I could do it, oh, man, that was fucking awesome. So that was the first one. The other one I did was called, and this is really embarrassing, and my face is going to turn red. The site was called titsintrouble.com. <laughs> Which, tits in trouble, which is tit.com. So that one was because Peter, it was really surprising because Peter himself is a very, uh, he's, a, he's like a, a big breast nut. He's like, a, like the Russ Meyer of San Francisco or something. And, um, you mean but he like, didn't like have a, one of these. Like a man, like a man mostly. Well, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm saying like he likes like ridiculous, like just milkmaid stuff. Oh, okay. So, um, sorry, that was offensive. Um, so, so. I pitched that to him and he loved it. <laughs> Sorry, Stephen. And um, just don't stop. And it and it went really and it went. They both went really well. And actually, they 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 put them on this thing called Kink on Demand and they tracked well and they sold well. But what ended up happening ultimately at the end of my my time at at, at Kink was was that I had made myself too useful as a set decorator because I didn't put a dirty mattress in a fucking. I was like kind of, I was part of the team. I was like, let's make this thing. Let's make it fucking awesome. Let's make it look cool. Let's make this room look cool. Let's so, put a picture of the Pope in the, in the background. Mm-hmm. That's actually funny because, you know, it's, as a side note, um, you, credit cards run everything that you watch as far as pornography goes. If you want to get a credit card on board to process your payments, they have a list of things that you cannot shoot. Religious imagery is one of them. You cannot use guns. You cannot hit anybody with a closed fist. Uh, no blood stuff, and then obviously like dumb shit like bestiality. Wait, wait, wait. You know what I mean? And credit card companies monitor the content. Yeah. Awesome. There you go. <laughs> oh my god, that's it. That, that was so it, right? Awesome. That's it. That's it. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Everything that you jerk off to, Mastercard knows. Uh, that has set the perimeter. That is the better job than directing artsy porn. It's <laughs> working at Mastercard and finding. An unsuitable and, material. Yeah, and making sure that no one is hitting anybody with a closed and, and fist. And getting paid or, a butt ton of money. Yes, they are, absolutely. <laughs> Without a doubt. So, yeah. um, so it ended up, I made myself too uh, valuable, and there was a lot of red tape, as most companies have it, a lot of red tape. And I was not able to become a director, and then so I, I kind of, I stopped working there, um, partially because I met my wife, and it was time to move to New York City um, for us to get married. And then, uh, no awe out of that? No <laughs> Thank you. And so, and then, um, and also because it was like, a, it was just good timing. It was just like, it was like, oh, well, you know what? Um, uh, you guys don't want me to be a director and I don't really want to lift furniture for another three fucking years yeah. because there is no elevator in that building. So I was lifting like 60 pound, like, fur- like fuck boxes, dicks. Thank you. <laughs> you fucking wish. Um, so I wish that would have been amazing. A 60 pound dick. 
<laughs> I don't love dick, but I would love to touch a 60-pound dick. That's amazing. <laughs> so, um, and we, I'd have to carry him like four, four or five flights of stairs when they had shoots on the abandoned rooms or in the, 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 the mansion set thing on the top floor. So, um, yeah, so it was like a lot of sweaty, crazy work that didn't involve anything disgusting other than just touching disgusting things and putting them in places for people to do stuff, <laughs> disgusting things on. So, um, so yeah, that's the story of kink. Uh, it's the, the pornos I directed. You can find them if you look at their kink on demand. Yeah. And you can check out your new Jeff Rosenstock shirt. Oh, yeah, and yeah. I also do work for punk bands. Right. So You probably have his artwork in your CD or yes. MP3 collection. Those of you who like crappy music, sure. Um, and there he is. There you go. Thank you so much. That Stig was it, Mountain. Right? Thanks, buddy. Yes, that was, yeah, it. That was, yes, awesome. that was perfect. That was perfect. You are perfect. Yeah. Uh, uh, part of the Going On ne- family. Great. Next up, perfect that. segue to my sister. Uh, you might know her from Saturday Night Live or the movie Trainwreck, Vanessa Bayer. Hey. Yay. Like my night of favorite people. Oh, that's very nice. So, what did you think of that last guest? Well, uh, I wish you guys had more variety on the show because I'm going to say all the same stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Vanessa, I have to open with with yesterday. I was I was uh, sitting in, in a taco place in Brooklyn, like you do, and there was a Friends marathon on. Oh yeah. And as someone who watched Friends and, and enjoyed the show, now when I see Friends, I associate it with Vanessa Bear. Because you were oh, great on that show. in my head. <laughs> um, well, that's very nice, Stephen, because when I see California Dreams... Again? <laughs> <laughs> Not as a burn. Just, no. I was thinking it would be fun sometimes. Every time. You don't understand, Vanessa is such a fan of California Dreams. Yeah, I'm saying it out of a nice place. Okay. So for those of you who don't know, Stephen was on how many episodes of California Dreams? <laughs> Do you remember, like, so remember kind of when Save by the Bell was kind of fading out a little bit? There was this show, California Dreams, and, or California... It was like Save by the Bell, but they were in a band. They were in a band, and it was on after oh, Save by the Bell. Lord. And then this one episode, you can find, you can fully, you can find Steven's episodes online. It's the coolest thing, and... In this one episode, really not. one of the girls in the band, and they're also in high school, so they're very cool. One of the girls <laughs> in the band, her dad starts working at the school. He loses his job, and he starts working at the school as a janitor. And she feels weird about it because she's like, oh, my dad's like cleaning up after she everybody. She wants to fit in. So in this one scene, Steven's character <laughs> and this other guy are stoners. Kind of, like, they're kind of, like, stoners, and they, like, surf, and they, like, don't care about stuff, and they're kind of dumb or whatever. And they, but they're cool, but they're cool, but they're cool surfer hunks, like. Five years of college okay. degree in theater. Okay. Google images so they, right now. It's enough just to see Steven's hair to go, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway, so they, so they come in this classroom, and there's, oh, also, side story. There's this thing that, like, the guy who's kind of, like, the weasel guy, I don't remember what his, what's his name? The guy who, like, starts the business where... Basically, he's like, I'm going to sell these... What's his name? Sly. Thanks, Mike Dubin. His name is Sly. He's like, Mike has the cutest daughter in the world, by the way. Maybe we'll talk about her in a little bit. Oh, she's the greatest. Um, But so Sly starts his business. This is is such a save by the bell, like, unreal. Anyways, so Sly starts his business where he's selling water guns. And if if you hit someone with a water gun, like, you, like, it's like this whole competition in the school. So Sly is... Loving it because he's making all this money off of these guns. Anyways, they're water guns again. It's not like violent. So, anyways, per person, your tickets. Ten. So, so 
Stephen and his friend come to this classroom and they start shooting these water guns and like they just like mess up the whole room. And then um, this girl's dad is the janitor and he has to pick, you know, he has to come pick it up. And she's like so embarrassed that he has to clean up after these like two guys who just kind of. Yeah, these two kind of dickheads who came in and kind of messed things up. Typecasting. And it's so awesome because, first of all, it's a heartwarming episode. But second of all, (laughs) it's so funny to see Steven be like, yeah, dude, like, let's mess this whole thing up. And it's so funny. And then Steven sent you a mug. Oh, Steven sent me, this is the coolest thing. He sent me a mug, a California Dreams mug. That is from the rap party, and it says like, what does it say on it? As like a, I should know because uh, it's my mug now. It says like, the dream will never end. That's it. Yeah. 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 Steve, Steve was like, should I send this to Vanessa? You think she would want it? And I was like, she will lose her mind. I, I didn't use it for a while. Now I like sort of ran out of mugs. <laughs> but I, for a while, I was like worried about chipping it and stuff. You really shouldn't worry about chipping it. No. Do you know how the California Dreams theme song starts? Because I, I was trying no, to think of I it don't. while I was waiting. But he, Jimmy Fallon brought them back to play it. They came on. Oh, really? Yeah, when he, he tried to do the Save by the Bell thing and screech, you know, didn't do anything. Yeah. The next year, all the California Dreams people were like, yeah, we'll be there. We have nothing going on. <laughs> so they all showed up and actually performed it, which. It's like the great. one verse is like, don't wake me up. Don't, don't wake me Sing with me. Don't wake me don't up if I'm dreaming. California dreams just let me lay here in the sun until my dream is done. So let's do a follow up. <laughs> a few years ago, our illustrious guest in the audience, our good friend Mike Dubin, um, who you may have seen his shirts, I'm with Dubin. Featured in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because he asked me to put it in there for a Warp Tour exhibit because he's classy. Uh, I did that. You asked me to do it. Yes, you fucking. Where is this going? So Mike years ago found out as you that I did the California Dreams thing, and there are no DVDs of it. They never released it. He tracked it down to England and ordered it and converted it from the pal just to fuck with me. That's a lot of work, man. Yeah. And Could you did. can you still not get it on not on iTunes? Yeah, the or demand's anything? not that high. Mike can get it. Thank you. Mike Mike has like the iPhone nine already. He can get <laughs> yeah. you whatever you want. Mike can get everything. <laughs> yeah. It's insane. Uh, I love your fascination with California Dreams. It it makes me feel that the four people actually watched it. I just I'm so cool that you were on it. I wanna hear <laughs> we don't have to talk about it right now, but I want to hear about the whole audition process. And kind of. Do you want to know the audition process? This is the audition process. I moved to LA, helped a friend of mine move. My aunt was rehabilitating the casting director's dog. I had long hair. She said, "Come in and read." Had you never done acting before that? No, I have. A, I had a degree in theater. I was going to move to New York and direct plays, and that was going to be my life. And obviously, it worked. Um, <laughs> and and so I literally went to the casting and I read it and she said the first note I ever got from a professional casting director was can you do it a little more Bill and Ted yes it is your characters in that episode are very Bill and Ted similar to your character on Buffy the Vampire Slayer this Whoa. is taking a horrible <laughs> <laughs> Stephen hates talking turn. about this stuff and so you can kind of see like turn. the origins see, of I'm tweaking my you can kind of see the origins of where that character comes from <laughs> from when you were playing actually yourself on Queer Eye for the Straight Guy <laughs> <laughs> when you were being made over <laughs> 
I love this, where this is going. <laughs> oh, my God. If I got residuals for anything I've ever done in my life, I wouldn't be here. You right don't now. get Queer Eye residuals? <laughs> no, you don't get anything. <laughs> I get residuals for anything. I think I saw Queer Eye was on... Like I think. Oh, it's, oh, you can watch Netflix on that, and you can see a horrible portion of my life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Wait, didn't they okay, make you, can't believe I haven't done that yet. Didn't they make like you, cut your, you cut your hair? Like they, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, I wouldn't I mean, let them cut my hair. That's my big regret. I, I was like, no, this long hair with three different colors is obviously cool. <laughs> yeah, it was like a professional hairstylist. Oh yeah, and then I went to that guy for years, and still he cuts my hair, and he ended up the like, guy from Queer Eye. Not the guy on the show. The guy. On no, the, the guy show. who cuts hair. Oh, the guy. Who, the, the guy who cuts right, because there's a style guy on the, the show. The guy who cuts the hair on Queer Eye. His name was Kyan, and he literally was hired because he's the most handsome man ever. To which, where you hang out with him for all, even straight, you go, yeah, probably. Like, you're really, you're really a good-looking dude. And he was like a colorist assistant, but was just really hot. And everybody who worked on the show was really gay, and was like, well, we have to find a spot for Kyan because he's. Wasn't the guy who was the original angel in Greece? Yeah, Jay. I'm not Greece. Um, uh, Rent. The, uh, Rent. Yes. I don't know why I said Greece. In well, Rent, there was an angel. He in was. Greece. He was. What was his? He was he was in Rent, and he was like the culture guy. Yeah. And he was the guy that would come over and go, your records are terrible. And he came over to my house and went, your records are cool. And I went, yes. <gasps> so did know. he have to say, like, what did he say? He had to pretend. That, that they weren't good? Yeah, that, that they weren't good. The whole thing was a sham. They didn't do That's, anything. I don't want to give it away secrets, and I hope the show doesn't get mad at me, but I did have a friend who worked on What Not to Wear, and she did say that if people are shopping on their own, I don't know how many of you guys have watched that show, but they always like the people go shopping by themselves. And then Stacey and Clinton are like watching them and they're like, they're doing a terrible job. We need to join them. <laughs> that if they're doing a good job that they like are like do a bad job or like oh, yeah. to, they show them doing a bad job because otherwise there's no reason for them to go in there and be like. This is a great shape for you. Like, this might not be the right piece, but do you see how it, you know? Yeah, no, there's, there's a lot. It's, it's a show that happens in a day that we taped for a week, where I wear the same clothes every day. And they put me up in a hotel on 53rd and 3rd. What? The irony of that for Queer Eye. Nice. <laughs> Again. Thank you. How many heads did it go? One of them here now. Um, <laughs> and then they make you wear the same clothes all day, so you're just gross. But it yeah. was, uh, and then, and then everything that you like from your home, they take and they put in a truck. And then when the show is over, they bring it back. And so you walk in and there's just giant boxes of all your stuff. And I remember opening up the, um, I had one of those expensive apartments in the West Village that had a washer and dryer in it. And I, I know, right? And I remember opening it up and they're all like, all my books and things had been shoved into the washer and dryer <laughs> just to make it look Whoa. pretty. <laughs> then they painted the place green, the ceiling too. So there was that. The landlord wasn't stoked on it. But yeah. all in all, I was on The Apprentice too. Does anyone care about that? I don't. Movie. I actually don't care about that. <laughs> no, you shouldn't. You should. Yeah. Uh, so Vanessa, you're in the hit movie train, right? <laughs> oh yeah, that movie's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what's Amy like? Is How's that going? Um, going great. I feel like I've seen it with you a bunch of times. Yeah. yeah oh yeah. Really well, good. Let's see, give yeah. it up. Yeah. Yeah. Dude. Oh, thank you. So good. Yeah. It's, in general, it's going great. I, I don't want to get too into what happened a couple of days ago, which really. No, nah, it's a bummer. No. It sucks. No. It's so it, stupid. Yeah. Well, it's, 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 it's now it's like, oh, what day is it? Oh, that happened again. You I know, know. It's, really it's crazy. Um, we suck. It sucks. But um, just it's so sad. But uh, um, other than that, uh, yeah, it was just a really amazing experience. 
See, I mean, I wasn't there for, you know what I mean, like, mm-hmm. other than that. Like, like more amazing than being on an episode of Sliders with Jerry O'Connell? Why would you even do that? Like, right here. <laughs> I forgot I'm to, about just the Sliders. To, just I just trying to put it in perspective one. for everyone. Is like, Jerry O'Connell now he's married awesome. to, who used to be Rebecca Romaine yes. Stamos? Yeah, really? Jerry now is she Rebecca Romaine O'Connell? What? She what didn't drop the Stamos, I don't think. She's still Remember how she Stamos. had like a... Did she have a sex change? What? what? She had a sex change too? No. No. Oh, okay. I'm getting guests confused in this dialogue. You just okay. turned everybody against <laughs> Everyone. Play the iPad. Pod. Phone. Um, I don't care about any of this. I care about Sound Advice with Janessa Slater, which is my favorite web series. Because I know oh. the people who work on it. Uh, Sound Advice with Janessa Slater. Wait, did you just say it's your favorite because you know the people who work on it? <laughs> <laughs> that feels like a backhanded compliment. No, 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 no. no because what every- about the content? Oh, the content's hilarious. Talking oh, with bands and making fun of it. Also, my favorite thing by watching Sound Advice with Janessa Slater is uh, trying to figure out what you've come up with as opposed to what Jonah has written. Yeah. Because I yeah. find that I can't figure that out sometimes. It's hard. We have, well, we have another person who writes, too, Pete named Schultz. Pete Schultz. And he's, he's a head writer for Weekend Update. But he's our director. But if there's any really bad puns, usually that's me. Yeah. The puns but, are usually Jonah... Jonah will, like, give me stuff to say, and then he'll, like, get scared. He'll, like, walk away while I say this really kind of nasty thing to a to huge musician. I was, like, I kept, Favorite bands. I kept wanting her. She kept asking Haim, like, how they got so much time off working at Urban Outfitters to go on tour. <laughs> and I was like, you have to keep asking that. <laughs> and they kept being like, we don't work in Urban Outfitters. <laughs> but I thought it was so funny. But I don't have to say it, Vanessa has to say it. Yeah, I'm the one who always has to funny. say it. Do you, do you ever veto something that Jonah's written? Yeah, sometimes. I mean, we don't usually... You, yeah, I mean, we just sort of go through, like... We kind of go through it in front of the guests and, like, say that, like... We usually have a lot of questions and then... Or comments, and then we'll, like, won't do all of them. And then usually, because we're improvising, too, like, we don't have time to do all of them. But, um, yeah, we've had some real... I'm trying to think of some of our Is biggest Is the show been going firms. on for over a year now? What time? like probably two years. But we do it very irregularly. Yes, like it's, yes. We just had like um, a bunch kind of come out. But we do it kind of when we have time to do it. Don't look at my, ske- my schedule. checking the time. My schedule's really <laughs> crazy. Also, I'm bored. I'm not really mad. <laughs> well, Jonah, don't you like just think of shit you would never, ever, ever want to ask a band? And then you just go, say this, and then walk away? Like, do you ever? <laughs> That's does, basically 100% yeah. how it works. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Jonah. Like the mo- yeah, sorry, go jo- ahead. No, it's because Jonah. I like Jonah gave. I feel like this was maybe six months ago or something. Jonah had to interview a band or something, and he did it in my apartment. And I was like, "Oh, Jonah's good at writing these questions because he writes real. He does this for real. So like, he writes real interview questions, and then what he's writing for sound advice are like the things he could never really ask. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Or the things or that you asked and. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I feel like we talked this story before, but yeah, the hardest one was that one with Ted Leo and Amy Mann. Yeah, Ted Leo and Amy Mann. They're in a band called The Bulls, and, and the f- they came in. Do you want me to? Oh, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. We can do it. Tell it together. We can tell it together. Okay. Uh, they came work. in. We didn't really know them. We were like big fans of theirs, and uh, the first joke, they came in and read, and the first joke is, is your band called The Bulls because you're both almost eligible for Social Security? And there was were, no almost. It was because yeah. you're both eligible for something. And they were reading it, and I had a panic. I was like, oh, my God, they don't know us. Like, and Jonah, they're... I've seen Jonah freak out before. Jonah was, like, freaking out. Like, I thought he was going like, to... I started like... sweating, and I was like, I had to go outside, and I was like, what am I doing with my life? Like, 
worked out they great. Were they so were so nice such good about sports it. about it. They if you great. haven't seen Jonah Freak Out, it's well worth it. It's good. Saying. It's good. He does stick around. Stick times. around. He's good at it. Yeah. <laughs> Mike and I have seen it. We've at, seen it. Yeah, we yeah. saw it. It, it doesn't happen that often. No, it doesn't. But if you bring up Chrissy Hind, it tends to. That was actually the only one I've ever seen, but it was awesome. I've heard amazing. about this. Yeah. Chrissy Hind was supposed to come on our old show on Fuse, and she bailed at the last second, and Jonah had written an entire script, and uh, he got up in the Fuse offices and chucked a Pretender's CD all across the bullpen. Yeah, but there was like, like a lot She's of got a lot of demands for someone there who's was written a, a yeah. song anyone knows about in 30 years. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Yeah, there a was a lot of, of build-up. She wrote a lot of demands, and a it was lot a lot. Of and we both started hating her. The camera her. guy can't wear a certain kind of belts. I had to put on sneakers. Oh, wow. I had to wear sneakers because I brought my boots that I normally wear in a bag because she said no boots, nothing that looks like leather, you can't, no handshakes. It was everything. And and we were we just getting, but Jonah was getting really, like, really pissed. And then she didn't show up. Then she didn't show up, yeah. Her, yeah. Yeah. Maybe she was just really freaked out because she went back to Ohio and her city was gone. Let's end it on that amazing joke. I think that was wonderful. Uh, Vanessa Bayer, ladies and gentlemen. You're the greatest. Oh, thanks for having me. So cool for coming out. Really nice Thank you. High five. High five. All right. All right. Uh, moving right along, our last guest. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, you made a. Uh, I had to fuck now. it up. I told him I was going to fuck it up. So now. I kind of did it on purpose. You may know our next guest from uh, Jawbreaker, Jessica Brazil, Forgetters, Thorns of Life, Thorns of Life, just the Internet, just Steven's Dreams. Yes. Stop it. Uh, yeah, amazing musician, super guy, former Going Off Track guest, uh, Blake Schwarzenbach. Yes. Yes. Oh my God! It's Hunter S. Schwarzenbach. Oh my God! (laughs) (laughs) Hi. Hey, what's up? You brought. I feel like you should have a mai tai or something. Do you have suntan lotion? Because I'm I'm a little. (laughs) You know what uh, Neil Cassidy said? (laughs) Ouch! That hurts. I took a shower and my my hair shrank. (laughs) What does that mean? It means he was going bald, ah, God. but in a kind of casual way. God, the voice sounds weird up here. Sounds good. <laughs> Your voice no, sounds better yeah. than yeah. anybody. Sounds bassy. I like it. Yeah. Get, yeah. All right. So what do you got here? It's mellifluous. I just brought my notes. Nice. What'd you? I think Alex, the sound man, let's hear for him. Yeah, Alex. Yeah. I think he's giving you some special love, man. Well, he did. He did a forgetter show. Oh, a did? while back, yeah, absolutely. Alex, played here. Great, great sound person. We played in this basement. Wow. Oh, very nice. Keep it up. Uh, I think um, Joan and I saw Thorns in a squat where the opening act was a cat killing a mouse on a drum riser. No, a drum kit. You were there, Dubin. You were there. Like legitimately. Like I have photos of this cat like going after a mouse there. As a, as an act of entertainment. I dude, I hope so. No. No. <laughs> In, a, in any real squat, no animals are killed. Oh, that's true, yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> I think I've, I've, I've been in a couple. Uh, what about rats? I love rats. <laughs> For reals? Yes. Yeah. You're I an all-animal kind of guy, like all or nothing? All-animal, all the way. Uh, so we were talking earlier, you recently adapted two kittens recently today. 
very recently. Today, Blake adopted two kittens. Wow. Yeah. That's a brave man right there. I'm a rescue technician. Uh, what was the what what was the inspiration for that? Well, you've been thinking about it for a while, or was it spur of the moment, or how did that happen? I think spontaneity is the same thing. Yeah, I've been thinking. It it, uh, I've right. been thinking about it all my life. How people mistreat people, and then I walk by this veterinarian clinic in uh, in Zerteris <laughs> <laughs> with a friend of mine, and we saw these two little kitties like in the window and she was like um we gotta stop and there they are now have you named now them they're yet? In, now they live now i live with them now, what, have you what named color them? are they what color yeah oh that was brad i like he threw his voice this way i don't know man i don't really believe in race or <laughs> <laughs> have you named them or do you wait for them to do stuff and then name them I have, a, I have a couple names in mind, but I have some friends sending me uh, suggestions. Really? Yeah. Do you have to send them photos first or like? No, just cold call it. <laughs> <laughs> How about mittens? <laughs> mittens? Mittens? M- mittens? Yeah. I like, so far I got um, Hans <laughs> for the boy cat and Raul for the girl cat. I back that, and I back that completely. So this week, you uh, just felt that you put an awesome song out on the interwebs. Sanity is waiting. I did. I put an old song out. Is that an old song? How long has that been floating about? In my head for all my life, but on <laughs> for everyone else, like two weeks. Two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Had you had it finished, and was there a lot of trepidation to putting it out? Like, what was the mindset before dropping that beat? I think the only the kind of concern I had was that uh, people wouldn't take me seriously. Why so? Well, we live in a very unserious society. <laughs> Thank Com- God. Comedy. <laughs> yeah. That's it? That's... I mean, listen to the song, and the rest is there. It's a great song. The thank hook is you. incredible. I really enjoyed it. I found myself oh, humming it quite immensely. It's super good. Are there other songs floating about that might go somewhere for us to listen? They're going to go on to uh, the interwebs soon. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm setting up a Bandcamp account for the first time in my life. Nice. And a friend of... Uh, I don't know how to do this stuff, so if a friend is... Um, helping me out and it's like you should get paid once in a while for the music and ideas you have and i was like wow what a novel idea that's like totally pre-industrial revolution (laughs) (laughs) so it'll yeah it'll be a pay what you will kind of situation right i'll put up what i write and uh pay pay what you will pay 40 i would be happy with like about 45 cents for a track that seems fair. If that's comfortable with your wallet. Yeah, that seems fair. Fair, very yeah. fair. Yeah, I mean, you can hear it for free, but if you, if you like this person, I think then uh, kick them down a little bit. I don't want to do a Kickstarter for my life. Yeah. Like, fuck that shit. Did yeah. you, do you play guitar every day, or how often are you writing? I never play guitar You never now. play guitar? Jonah, it's so sad. <laughs> I just think, I just, like Allen Ginsberg, I just stare at the roses in my closet. 
and weep. <laughs> I cannot monetize this culture that we live in. There's no way to do it and you know, stay I, sane. I, I was reading this awesome article recently where they were saying that we need to figure out how to, a technology to tip when you hear a song, whether it's like whatever, iTunes, or I read Spotify, this too. Yeah. Right? And it's yeah. like, well, it's not going to wired. But think about it because if you're like, if you're, if it's two o'clock in the morning and you're wasted and you're listening to like some heartbreak song, tip the fucking artist $20, right? Oh, tipping. Yeah, tipping. tipping. They were saying but you like, just need to make like it easy. We just you didn't mean the city in China. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Jonas line. Oh, sorry. That's, that's number one Chinese garden in Williams. Uh, sorry, not that neighborhood. Windsor Terrace, that's the tip jar. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> Tipping is not a city in China. <laughs> Actual cool. Chinese people work there, so I kind of like that. So you can mm-hmm. use it. That's good. Throw them a bone. I mean, fuck it. <laughs> they they wipe your ass, you fucking lazy, <laughs> successful people. <laughs> See, we've tried that with the podcast, taking an idea from other shows where it's like, you know, if you listen to the show each week, just send us a buck, just a dollar, you know, because. But the idea is it has to be built in to yeah. the app that you're listening to because it has to be instantaneous. It has to be like a button. It's... Play, stop, tip. Like, it literally has to be that stupid and easy. I don't want to underwrite it. You would be a wealthy man like if this that. existed, trust me. Yeah, I don't Steven want. Steven would. I don't want dollar. <laughs> I don't want dollars shoved into my panty waist. <laughs> yeah. I like you because every time I feel like we interview you, you talk shit about people, but... I don't, and, and I don't talk shit. Wait, not, whoa. Okay. <laughs> Jonah, I, I want no more hatred in this, this America that we are forced to live in now. I mean that. Okay. There's no hate in my game. <laughs> It's the hatred I I feel in all these games that we play with each other and with our mnemonic devices and stuff. So what do you think is the the solution for that? Or what do you think we can work on? I think to go to your first guest, straight up yoga. I'm not joking. This ain't funny. I mean, it's funny because it's a cosmic joke. But I think slowing down, doing what you're doing, playing what you're playing. It's Evan Dando. It's like loving what you love, you're loving who you love, and not, not getting caught up in all this noise. I yeah. had you until Evan Dando. Yeah, last <laughs> no. time I saw Evan Dando, he threw his guitar at his tech because it was out of tune. No, that's not true. He's a great artist. Oh, he's a yeah. great, great oh, songwriter. Great. Yeah. yeah, completely. Great singer. Good, mm-hmm. voice. I, Good I, voice. Yes. It's true. a shame about Ray. It really is. It really is. Come on, feel the lemonhead. Love that. I do. That record's amazing to me. Uh, we've gotten off track. Uh, that was even. I didn't even intentionally mean. That's the name of this podcast. Yeah, I think. Really is. Blake has done really. a wonderful job of taking us off. Track. <laughs> even we, who usually guide this train in weird directions, you're. No, I'm driving now. You <laughs> can't keep Can up with you. Can we get this guy a conductor? It's you. a conductor's hat. I'm driving for all of you. <laughs> I like it. That's all I do. <laughs> take take, us, over take us there. At least for myself yeah. and my friends. Um, so uh, a dear friend of ours, uh, Trevor Kelly. Uh, yes. A favorite TK. journalist. Good, TK, good man. He texted me and he said, if you don't ask what everyone's thinking, I will sob. Uh, when, you be, when will you be playing and performing again, like, on tour? I think in about 
eight minutes tonight. Oh, that's right. I forgot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It'll just be me. Right, nice segue. Uh, <laughs> uh, what do you mean? Like, like, you know, you did like a solo tour, uh, what is it, two years ago, maybe? And went around, went over to Europe and did I, things like that I and did. had a lot of fun. And yeah, I went out there alone. Yeah. How was that? Lonely. <laughs> yeah. Did you, and, and... I missed my band. Okay. Is a Forgetter, lot. Is Forgetters doing stuff? Is that, is that the band in question now? Uh, the Forgetters, the Forgetters, no, Forgetters are deep, deeply in question, deeply in conversation with this society. Okay. So we don't know if we want to be a band. Mm. Urgh, urgh. Why bother? Like, why drive to Pensacola and play to 30 stoked guys? <laughs> <laughs> a lot of, it's a lot of guys. What's <laughs> My band plays to all guys, so I can... I te- we tend to get a high guy quotient. Yeah, same here. <laughs> yeah. Feel it. And you want to switch? You want to switch that demo? I got a, I got a kind of queer eye for the straight guy. Yeah. <laughs> this I is want- not how I envisioned this going. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's terrific that I'm we can enjoying- sit around and talk like this honestly about what's going on in America right now. I agree. So, what, what is uh, a, a dear friend of mine sitting in the front row actually sent a question to that? Who's your friend? Uh, this guy right here, Bert. Bert, hi, Bert. Yes. He was Let's like, have your question. He was like, well, he was like, how do we affect social change, Blake? Which he texted me two days ago, so this is oddly prophetic. I don't know how you did that. Him, not you. Yeah, Bert, not you. No, not you. never me. <laughs> how do we affect social change? Yes. Yeah. Jeez. You like that one? Mm. A little softball for you. Yeah, I know. Thanks. Thanks for that. <laughs> Bubba Hotep. <laughs> Which is, you just gave Mike a boner. I love that movie. Way. Yeah. Sorry, continue. <laughs> I think, what does it matter what I think? Like, you got Sandra Bland, Sean Bell, millions of, no, not millions, but hundreds of people being shot in the street. Right now, dragged, humiliated, hogtied. It is a really good, a good softball question. Mm-hmm. Well, I think about this. And my so, brain, how do you it, intervene in that in this culture that we live in now? It's it, it fascinates me because it's, as someone who has children, I find myself thinking like, "Fuck, I brought kids around to this." It seems like you know, dipshittery left and right. And then I asked my mother about it, and she said. Sadly, it's always been this way, but info gets to you quicker now. That's, I think that's very true. And I was like, oh, that kind of blows. And she went, yeah, it kind of blows. Kind of, kind of blows to live. Yeah. And I think the, the, if we can figure out how to do that. It's, you know, hard, it's God, hard to be an optimist, God bless. I find. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm a terrible optimist. You are? I'm the worst. Mm-hmm. I have so much hope I should be incarcerated. <laughs> Good. I think it's an album title. Yeah. <laughs> Bert, write that down. Bert's next album. He just recorded. He's gonna, that's going to be it. You should totally do it, dude. We have, move, we have movement in terms of gay marriages and recognition of, of actual unions. We have movement pretty much nowhere else. Right? 
I mean, I don't know what we've won. Uh, healthcare is starting to, we're starting to look at that actually as a real issue. And then well, other parts of the world have their shit together with some of this stuff. Well, yeah. It's just they're, here. They're smart. <laughs> and we're angry. Yeah, I think, Stephen, your yeah. question is in America. <laughs> yeah, that would be it. Uh, I love the optimism. I, lo- I love that you have that. I have terrible, powerful optimism. Good. I keep going, you know? I got no choice. I, I have hurt myself many times and my family and my friends by being so damaged by this world we live in. And I think it's, you know, Camus asked the ultimate question. There's only one philosophical question. Should I kill myself? Everything else is conversation. Everything else is a podcast or how do I do this better or whatever. But if this is our world, you could, you could leave it. It, it hurt a lot of people or you can stay in it and try and work with it. And I'm just, I work with it personally with my I, truly friends and family. Mm-hmm. That's my, that's my message. Bandmates, confres, <laughs> I don't know. Sympaticos, you know, look, look at people for real and like slow down in your day and just like talk to your deli guy. You know, actually don't avert your eyes when you see a woman on the street who's beautiful. And also don't mad dog her. <laughs> Just be, be honest. And I think we'll be fine or we'll be destroyed. And at least you could say you uh, were involved. <laughs> right on, Blake. Thanks so much. Um, you want to play something? I do. Okay, yeah, good, good. Let's do it. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for being here. Uh, we're going to end the show. Blake Schwarzenbach is going to play yes. for you right now. Thank you, Blake. <laughs> thanks for joining us going off track. someday be an anniversary everything is light and sound I 
Racing forwards, going slowly Wait for you to show me Where this train wants to go Living by the hour I Stop for every flower Everything is soft and slow Now all these tastes improve The view that comes with it Like they handed me my life. What's the next, next line? And for the first time, it felt right. Thank you for making, helping me See there's a life in me It was dying to get out Holding you we make two spoons Beneath this April moon Everything is soft and sweet This cigarette, it could seduce A nation with its smoke Whoa, sorry. These glasses, I'm old, so wearing glasses is new to me. We are the cigarette line. About is like smoking and being sad and thoughtful, and then crawling down my tired throat, scratches part of me that's purring, softly stirring. Working famously On the next building I build Oh yeah Looking at all these trees I Feel affinity with Everything's so soft and still Budding at my fingertips Touching you I start to bloom Alive with trains and passing ships 
soft and sweet along your lips now we go over this is like the organ part <laughs> which I like to use my freeze pedal for so check this out I'm learning this with you. I'm just a, st I'm a student of this world. <laughs> Organ part, courtesy of Jay Robbins. psychedelic guitar us out? Yeah, I think I do. I think we need this yeah. noise venture. Just walk out comfortably. Pedals. George Jefferson hates white people. So lonely in this world.
not too, it's not too late to change your life. I love you all. Good luck. Be strong. <laughs>